Thank you, Hallie, for that reading. Good to be with you. Grace Long Beach, my name is Daniel Long. If this is your first time with us, so glad to have you worshiping with us, whether here or streaming with us. I want to say hello to you. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to get into the book of Acts this morning. So would you pray with me? God, you are a God who speaks. You are faithful to do that. You want to do that. Thank you for that love that you want to speak to us, your people. Knowing myself, I ask God that you would, that you would help me to hear what you have to say. Um, in spite of all of the other things that I listen to all the time, I ask that your voice might be a voice that kind of breaks through all of those other voices so that I hear what you have to say, what you're wanting to say to me and to us, and I pray that for us as a community. God, I ask that you would help us to encounter you afresh this morning through your word, that we might be captivated by what you've done, what you continue to do, what you will do. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Also, King's Quest, you guys are in here this morning, so I'm glad that you're here with us. Uh, just, you know what, just bear with me, okay? Um, I, you know, we have the, my kids are with us, and they start working on those, those activities right away, like at 9.20, and then they're done by 9.27, and then I'm like, okay, oh, here we go. Um, well, here's my question for you. Have you ever started in the middle of a movie without knowing it? Now, that doesn't happen anymore, uh, but I can remember a time when that happened to me back like late high school, early college. Um, it was the movie Goodfellas of all movies. Um, it, it came in a two-DVD pack, which doesn't even happen. And it's just not, we're not even talking VHS. We're talking a DVD. Uh, and it came in two DVDs, and they were mislabeled, disc one and disc two. I think that they were mislabeled, or I just wasn't paying attention. We're going to go with the mislabeled. I started, I started in the middle of the movie, and I watched from the middle all the way to the end. And I thought, I have no idea what's going on. This is, this is such an interesting, like creative decision. It's in the middle of a scene. I, 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 I'm just going along with Scorsese. He knows what he's doing. I'm the one who needs some help. Uh, and then finally it dawned on me what had happened. So then I had to go back to the beginning and then watch it all the way through to get context of what was actually taking place. Now for those who haven't been around church for a while, that might be how you feel like when you are participating in um, Christianity or in worship services, maybe even King's Quest, you feel this way. You're actually coming in at the middle of a movie and you're trying to sort out where you are, what's going on, what led up to this place, and what is everybody up to? It's hard to understand. And that creates a certain level of disorientation or confusion. And actually, I think it's a good type of disorientation, confusion, because it creates a sense of curiosity. And those of us who've been around Christianity or been a part of Christianity or in the church for a while, we've lost that sense of strangeness and wonder about what the church is and about what it's doing. And we sort of need to get back into the place of another film reference of like Stranger Than Fiction, where the character there, Harold Crick, is actually discovering that he himself is part of an unfolding story that's being told, and he's a character in that story. The author of that story is somewhere near him, around him, and he discovers that as the story's being written, his own story 
he himself is trying to figure out how to participate in that story. And how have, have you ever, people who've been in church, in Christianity for a period of time, have you ever stopped to consider the fact that you are part of a story that's not yet finished? You and I are part of a story that's not yet finished. So for some, it feels like you're coming in at the middle of a, of a story and you're trying to get your bearings. For others, we've, we've lost that sense and we need to recover this strangeness and wonder of being a part of a story that is still being written and that we ourselves are somehow part of. And that brings us to the book of Acts, where this becomes sort of part of our story. This is our story. Now, one theologian talks about the unfolding story of Scripture almost like a, a five-act play. And that the church is the act in which we find ourselves, and the act begins in Acts. The final, toward the end of the final act, as we are moving toward the end, we've been handed a script, a story, as actors in the theater, and we are called to discover how to act in reference to the story that we are a part of. Now, Acts is the, is the beginning of that chapter, and we are still in that chapter. Have you ever wondered how it is that a marginal religion known as the Way, back in the first century, became something that sort of turned the world upside down, revolutionized an empire, swept through time and geography and space, and made its way to you and to me. It made its way to Lancaster, California, of all places. It made its way to your own little corner of the world. That this story made its way to a small group of people who began meeting together, and then decided to purchase a building down on 5th and Cherry. And then that building was burned by an arsonist. And so then they purchased a new plot of land on 36th and Linden. And is known as the Church of Grace Brethren, Church of Long Beach. And that that story's continued through all of the different pastors, all of the different controversies, people going and coming, divisions, splits, a pandemic, and here we are. Part of the story that God continues to tell and that we're somehow wrapped up in, that the church itself is a miracle that's connected to the living person of Jesus and his life, death, and resurrection gives what we are doing meaning as Christians. This is the story that we are part of, and it is the story that is continuing to unfold. So if that story feels confusing, disorienting, complex, and like you can't get a handle on it, that's okay, because that's what it's like. Because part, part of the Christian difficulty is learning over and over again that I'm some, somehow wrapped up in a story that isn't my own, but is God's story.
and it becomes our story as God pulls us into that story through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. So we're going to be in the book of Acts for a long time, for the next few months. I'm not a good planner of these things, even though I have a plan. We'll see how it goes, and we'll make our way through Acts, and it's going to be a wonderful time, and my prayer has been that we would be re-enchanted, re-enchanted to what the church is and to what God is doing in the church, because it is easy to think that this capital C church thing is somehow lost or confused or not really sure what it's doing. But Acts reminds us that the church is God's idea. And he knows what he's doing. Even though we think there could be a better way, trust me, I think there could be a lot better ways. God sees fit to use us, his church, the church, somehow Grace Long Beach being part of that for his good purposes. So as we get into the book of Acts, I want to talk about a few different threads. But before that, I actually want to show a Bible project video. Uh, this is for all you King's Questers, but not really. It's for us adults, too, because this is how we learn as well. Um, and we're just going to watch a couple minutes of um, talking about the first couple chapters of Acts. So if you want to run that, please. One of the earliest accounts about Jesus of Nazareth, his life, death, and resurrection, was written by a man named Luke. We know it as the Gospel of Luke. But Luke continued the story in a second volume. Called the Book of Acts. And it's all about what Jesus continued to do after his resurrection. Acts begins with the disciples who are hanging out with Jesus, who's just come back to life, which is mind-blowing to imagine. And then for weeks, the risen Jesus kept teaching them about his upside-down kingdom, the new creation that he launched through his death and resurrection. This is exciting stuff, and the disciples are ready to go tell the world. But then Jesus tells them to wait and to stay in Jerusalem until they receive a new kind of power so they can be faithful witnesses to Jesus and his kingdom. Then he says that their mission is going to begin in Jerusalem, then move out to Judea and Samaria, and then from there out into the nations. It's like a roadmap for the whole book of Acts. Then the disciples saw Jesus enthroned as king of all creation. So the disciples wait, wondering when this power is going to come. And then comes the time of Pentecost. So this is an ancient Israelite festival during the early summer, and thousands and thousands of Jewish pilgrims would come back to Jerusalem from all over the world, all these different languages and cultures colliding in the city. And the disciples are together in a house, which is suddenly filled with rushing wind along with fire. Fire splinters off into tongues of fire hovering over people's heads. What's this all about? Yeah, so Luke is tapping into a repeated Old Testament theme. When God's presence showed up similarly at Mount Sinai, he made a covenant with Israel and gave them the Ten Commandments. Then later, when God's glory came in a pillar of fire, it filled the tabernacle when he came to live among them. That was just one pillar of fire, not many. Exactly. Luke's making an important point here. This is God's personal temple presence, God's spirit that was foretold by Israel's prophets. And now it's come to take up residence in the new temple of Jesus's body, that is, his people. They've become little mobile temples where God now dwells. And they start to tell stories about Jesus, but they're speaking in languages that they didn't know before, yet all the visitors can understand them. What's this all about? Well, Peter gets up to explain that this is the fulfillment of Israel's hopes based on the scriptures. God's plan was always to use the unified family of Abraham to bring peace and justice to the world. 
but the tribes of Israel had been scattered because of the exile. Now here at Pentecost, representatives from all of the tribes come back together and they're introduced to their Messiah, the crucified and risen Jesus, so they can now become the restored people of Israel. And thousands of them start following the way of Jesus. And watch the rest. Which actually is a really good, it's a really good, I think, um, overview of what's happening in the book of Acts. But I want to stop there because I want to talk about the first chapter and really the first 11 verses. Because I think like any good author, we have here Luke writing, and it's in these first few verses, this first chapter, that I think he gives us some threads that we're going to see all throughout the rest of the book. And here are three threads that I want to, I want to look at, I want to talk about in chapter 1. God's unfolding story, God's presence and power, and God's ongoing mission. So what we're going to see in the book of Acts, what we see here at the beginning, is that the constantly Luke is bringing us back to this sense of the story that is being told as part of God's unfolding story. How this is being worked out is because of God's presence and power, and then what is being worked out, it's God's ongoing mission. So that's what we're going to look at this morning, those three things. Now, if you want to turn to the book of Acts, chapter 1, that's where we're going to be, either in your devices or there's a Bible underneath your seat or, um, well, no, not or, it's just underneath your seat. So uh, find it, we'll go to Acts chapter 1, starting in verse 1. So Acts 1, 1, in the first book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus did and taught from the beginning until the day when he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. Now there's another rendering of this verse that talks about the sense of, of, of what Jesus began to do. This seems, sounds like past tense, but it's really a, um, an, a continuation, an ongoing thing that Jesus is up to. So in the first book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and taught from the beginning until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. So this, this book of Acts is written by, the, by Luke. Um, and we know that Luke also wrote a gospel in which he told the story of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Thinking of that as like volume one, this is like volume two that continues the story. Now why that's important is because what Luke is wanting us to sense and get an idea of right here at the beginning is that the story that began in Jesus is a story that's continuing in the church. There aren't two separate things. It's not here was the story of Jesus, and now there's going to be this other thing called the church that is going to be taking place. No, God is continuing to tell the same story in and through Jesus, and then that begins to continue and work itself out in what we know of as the church, in God's people coming together. And so Gospel of Luke is like a first chapter, the Acts of the Apostles, or maybe more appropriately, the Acts of Jesus through the Apostles, is like the second chapter. And a reminder, we are still living in that second chapter. We are still living in the time of the church. Even if we have an idea and a sense of what the end will be, if we look at Revelation in all its confusion and complexity, even if we know that one day Christ will come again and restore all things and we are living in light of that, we are still in between when the church began and continues now in 2021 in this small corner of the world called Long Beach. And we're going to see this through the book of Acts. 
this sense of God's unfolding story happening and what is taking place in and through the apostles. I'm going to encourage you to read all of Acts this week, and if you can, in one setting. I did it. It was an hour and 45 minutes, so you know how to break up your time. Set aside an hour and 45 minutes or set aside like 20 minutes for five days, or, and, and, and you got it. You got the whole book of Acts this next week. Because what you're going to see if you read it in its entirety is a story that's being told where the, where the apostles themselves can't help but connect it to what God has been doing all along. What you're going to see is when, when an apostle is, is taken to, to court and when they are asked to give an account of what's going on or if they have to give a testimony, where they go is, well, remember what God did in Abraham and then in Moses and then they just can't help but tell the story of what God was doing all throughout time and history. Why? Because the Acts, the book of Acts, what God is doing through the apostles is what he's always been doing and they themselves are wrapped up in. And so they are needing to reform, restory their imaginations and the imaginations of others to locate themselves in the unfolding drama of God. As we see this at the beginning where Luke is connecting what is going to take place and what has already taken place in the person of Jesus. So again, God's unfolding story. Now let's look at verses 3 through 8. And we're going to see another thread here and that we'll see through the rest of the book. We're talking about God's presence and power. So after his suffering, he presented himself, Jesus, alive to them by many convincing proofs appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. While staying with them, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait there for the promise of the Father. This, he said, is what you've heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they'd come together, they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? He replied, it is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority. I'm actually going to stop there. So we see this sense where Luke, here the author, is wanting to remind the readers, wanting to tell the story that a thread we are going to see is not just God's unfolding story, but the reality of God's presence and power through the church. Jesus appeared many times, it says, to those who saw him, to the disciples. Why is that? Why did Jesus need to appear many times? On the one hand, it's possible that they wouldn't get, they, one wasn't enough. How could it be? I mean, a, a person was just, he died on a cross. He was in a tomb. And now he's raised again and he's living. I mean, how many times would it take to be convinced of such a crazy thing? But there's also an affirmation of the fact that God in Jesus, that Jesus remains present, that he continues to be present with his disciples. His resurrection means resurrection life, but it also means ongoing presence with his people. And again, this will continue through the giving of the Spirit. And again, this is a thread we're going to see all throughout Acts that Jesus Christ remains present with those who have been brought into the church 
to be his presence, to bear witness to his presence in the world. But then it's also a reality of power. I mean, notice that the disciples are wondering, is this when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? Is this when you'll make all things good for us as a kingdom? Again, this sense of of power, the reversals of, of not being under Roman occupation or rule anymore. Are you going to take Caesar's place once and for all as Lord? And Jesus needs to redefine their sense of power. And this isn't to say that that was a wrong idea, perhaps desire. Why wouldn't, if Jesus is in fact Lord, why wouldn't it make sense for him to be Lord overall in the ways that they understood? But Jesus, again, turns that idea of power on its head and says the power comes by way of the Holy Spirit. Verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now the sense of the power of Christ and the presence of Christ, you will see this when we look, into, when we look at Acts. People are being converted by the thousands. People are being healed. Some of the most dramatic, crazy jailbreaks of all time happen in the book of Acts because of Christ's power at work, unleashed through his people. So we see this thread of God's unfolding story here. We see the thread of God's presence and power. And then we're also clued into God's ongoing mission. Again, verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, you heard this in the Bible Project video, but this becomes, in many ways, a roadmap of the book of Acts. That the way that the gospel begins to spread is first in Jerusalem, then in Judea and Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth. The book ends with Paul going to Rome. This sense of of it continuing to be unleashed and expand. And what we'll see in the book of Acts is that it's far more expansive than the apostles ever dreamed of, and far more expansive, if they were honest, than they probably wanted it to be. Which I think is so true of us. The kingdom of God, God's ongoing mission, its way it's moving, it's being unleashed, and it's moving out in the world often means it's way more expansive than we have imaginations for or we're even comfortable with. But God's ongoing mission is unleashed and it cannot be stopped because it is by the power and presence of the Spirit that it continues. What we'll see in the book of Acts is the Holy Spirit is always sending the apostles to do things they would rather not be doing. All the time. Eat things that they don't want to eat. Be with people they don't want to be with. Suffer. Be in prison. The Holy Spirit is always sending the apostles out to do things they would rather not be doing. 
Do you ever feel that as a Christian? I would rather be doing anything other than this with this person, eating this food. I mean, that is a reality of what God is up to and his ongoing mission continuing to move the gospel, the good news of Jesus forward. So these three threads we see here, God's unfolding story, God's presence and power, God's ongoing mission is what we'll see all throughout our time in Acts. And so what about the disciples of Jesus? What do we see about the disciples of Jesus here, but what do we see about the disciples of Jesus throughout the book of Acts? I want to talk about three things here. The disciples of Jesus are having story-formed imagination, see themselves as witnesses, and they are people who wait and pray. So they're people who have story-formed imaginations. This goes back again to what I was describing earlier, that when they are told to give an account to what is happening, they cannot help but tell the story of what God has done from the beginning in time and how it leads up to the present. That is something that would be good for us to learn. How to re-narrate, re-understand, reform our imaginations, our own story in light of God's story. They can't help but reconsider what is taking place in light of the unfolding drama of God. And this is why I am encouraging us, encouraging you to read through the entire book of Acts. It's part of that formation of our imaginations, of seeing ourselves as caught up into something bigger than Grace Long Beach 2021 here. We are a part of something that has happened, continuing to happen for the last long time, and it's what God is up to. But the disciples also are seeing themselves as witnesses. Again, it is what God or what Christ gives them to do in verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Witnesses to the story of Christ, to the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, but also witnesses to his presence. As the Spirit indwells us as a community, we are the ongoing presence of Christ in the world. We are Christ's presence in the world. See, when Jesus ascends here in chapter 1, there's this sense of, well, where is Jesus going? In bodily form, he ascends into heaven. But it's in order that a presence might then indwell a whole community of people, a whole group of people that are then sent into the world to be his witnesses everywhere, all the time. I mean, do you understand yourself? Do I understand myself as bearing witness to Christ in my life? That that's what you do. That's what you, we are called to carry on the mission of God that he began in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. That is what you are called, what I am called, what we are called together to do. Do you understand yourself as bearing witness to Christ himself? Is that something you recognize as part 
whole part of your life, every day, every moment. You are the presence of Christ. That's, a, that's just crazy. That's just like it's so bonkers to me that we are Christ's presence in the world. And bonkers is a great word. The other thing about the apostles, story-formed imaginations, they are witnesses. They also wait and pray. I mean, it's something Jesus tells them to do. Right? Verse 3, after his suffering, he presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to, to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. While staying with them, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait, to wait there for the promise of the Father. Have you ever considered it as like a primary role of ministry is to not do anything? Like maybe one of the primary things a church is called to do is to, to not do, to wait. That does not work in North America. Actually, that just doesn't work in the world. But it's something Jesus actually demands that his disciples do. Wait. Wait. Just wait. Because what is that waiting like? What does that do? I mean, in a sense, it reminds you that we are dependent people. In a sense, it reminds you that you are not the one whose story you are to be telling. In a way, it reminds you that you actually don't have the resources required to do what you've been given to do. So the church is called to wait, but not just wait. It's also called to wait and to pray. I mean, we see this at the end of chapter 1, that this is precisely what the disciples do. Verse 12, then they return to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. When they had entered the city, they went to the room upstairs where they were staying, Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. All these were constantly devoting themselves to prayer together with certain women, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, as well as his brothers. Here's why. Because we do not have what it takes. We just do not have what it takes to do what God has asked us to do. You don't, I don't, we don't. In and of ourselves, we are, we are at a loss. But that is why the church is called to wait. And that is why the church is called to pray. Wait and pray so that you are then empowered by the Spirit and able to bear witness faithfully to the presence and power of Jesus. We all have great ideas of what we could do together, of how we could save the world, of what the world needs, of how it's broken, how to bring salvation. We all have ideas. Our church is a very entrepreneurial church. So I know you have them, and you have them in spades, and that's awesome. But together, let's wait and pray. Take seriously the story we're a part of. Recognize that we are to be empowered by the Spirit to move forward the ongoing mission of God that began in Jesus and continues because of Jesus through us. Here's a quote I love by a missionary theologian named Leslie Newbegin. 
And I love it so much, you've probably heard it. How is it possible that the gospel should be credible? That people should come to believe that the power which has the last word in human affairs is represented by a man hanging on a cross? I'm suggesting that the only answer, the only hermeneutic of the gospel, is a congregation of men and women who believe it and live by it. So how, how does the story of God, the presence and power of God, and the mission of God become credible? By people who believe it and live by it. I mean, imagine, imagine the work that God has done already because of people who believe it and live by it. Imagine the work that God will continue to do as we become a community of people who believe that Jesus is Lord and that the story that God is telling, the unfolding drama, is the true story, the most remarkable story of the world. And then we become people formed by that story, empowered by the power of Jesus to carry on the mission of Jesus in the world. Let us be that. God, make us that. Amen. Speaking of becoming a people whose imaginations are formed by the story, we partake in the bread and cup. And it's a way that again reminds us that we are people defined by waiting and praying, defined by people who are to receive. Now when we come and partake of the elements, this is a moment when we are participating in one of the most true things we can say about ourselves, that we are in need and that God through the life, death, and resurrection has given and has not withheld anything for us. And so in a moment, you're going to come forward, you're going to grab a cracker, you're going to grab some juice, some wine, and then you're going to take it back to your seats our table is open to all followers of Jesus. You do not need to be a member of this church to participate, to partake. But you are welcome, and we are glad that you are here to part participate in this with us. So if you could please stand, we're going to continue in our worship, and you'll be dismissed in just a moment. Thank you.